Hi, it's Jonathan Mosen. Today, with the help of my son Richard, I'm going to be getting to know, setting up, and using the Zoom M2 mic track. I'll describe what Zoom says on its website about this product and then talk a little bit about why I decided to buy it at this particular time and then we'll see if it's any good. I'm doing this a little bit differently than some of the demonstrations and reviews I've done in the past where I've learned a lot about the product before turning on the mic and recording something. But I thought it would be useful to unbox this, to set it up, to have Richard tell me what the little buttons on this thing do and there are quite a lot of little buttons so if you have dexterity issues you may want to keep that in mind and this may not be the product for you and then of course we'll do some testing and that's particularly important with this product as I'll explain in a minute so what does Zoom say about the M2 mic track it says studio sound in one take Zoom's M2 mic track elevates the work of creators looking to easily record perfect audio. With its innovative XY mic capsule design and 32-bit float technology, the M2 mic track always gives you great sound in one take. One take is all you need. The M2 captures clip-free audio every time. With 32-bit float recording, there's no need to set gain. Whether you're recording soft-spoken dialogue or the thunderous sound of drums, you'll never miss out on the sound you need. Stereo recording for musicians. Capture all of your live performances and rehearsals. The M2 is built to provide studio-quality sound every time you hit record. Podcast from anywhere. When you're on the go, the M2 is the only recorder you'll need to deliver crisp, clear dialogue every time. Breaking news only gets one take. No pressure then. When you have just one opportunity to capture the story, the M2 will not let you down. Super low handling noise. The M2's unique XY stereo mics, along with its specially designed glossy finish, significantly reduces handling noise. Choose between recording in stereo or mono modes. Stereo is optimal for music performance, while mono is perfect for recording interviews and dialogue. Normalizing function. The M2 includes a normalize function that will raise or lower the level of your recordings to optimize volume. This saves time and streamlines the editing process. Onboard monitoring. Look. Keep an eye on your recording using the M2's LCD screen with a real-time waveform display. Listen. Use the headphone output to monitor your recordings and use the onboard speaker for quick reference. USB mic with 32-bit float. Connect the M2 via USB when recording and streaming on PC, Mac, iOS and Android. Mic clip included. Place the M2 on a mic stand for stationary recordings by using the included mic clip. Plenty of battery life. 11-hour AA battery life secured with our new sturdy lock system ensures that the M2 is ready to record whenever you need it. In the box, the M2 mic track, a windscreen, a microphone clip, and you can get some optional accessories as well, such as some cables and a tripod for the device. What Zoom doesn't mention in its marketing spiel is that it also takes a micro SD card. You can go all the way up to micro XD, which means that you can store a lot of data on this thing. That's Zoom's marketing. And let me decode all of the marketing speak to say this. 
This thing is a microphone. You hold this mic in your hand. There's no big bulky recorder of any kind. It's a self-contained microphone that records onto an SD card, which slots into that microphone. That's the first cool thing. So it's very portable. You can take this thing around in a pocket or some sort of backpack or purse or whatever. Take it out, switch it on, press record, and you're recording. Now that's where the second important thing comes in. We have talked in the past about the significance of 32-bit float recording to everybody, but to blind people in particular. If you're in an environment where it may be difficult to set levels, or you don't have the time to set levels, or you can't see the level meter, or maybe you have a hearing impairment and it's a bit difficult for you to hear clipping, 32-bit float is a very significant development for many of us. And this microphone does record in 32-bit float. As the marketing blurb so accurately says, this means you don't have to set levels. You can fix those in post-production. And on this podcast, we've had various examples. I think Gary O'Donoghue's was the first when he did a Zoom F6 review and demonstrated how you can get a horrible recording that's either very, very quiet or way too hot, and you can fix it in post-production by bringing it into your digital audio workstation of choice and fixing the level there. It is huge. So in theory, to have this little microphone that you can take around everywhere with no bulky cables, no other accessories required, and get a top-notch recording from anywhere is great and it could be very handy for the convention season that is coming up in the United States if you're going there and you just want to capture recordings and then bring them back and upload them to wherever they need to be. Sounds like the perfect product. There is a huge caveat coming. When Zoom released this product, and I think it was back in about December of 2022, it was slammed by many people who got it early. In fact, if you go on YouTube, all of the reviews that I can find of the Zoom M2 are exceedingly negative. And the reason for that was that the Zoom M2 back then was picking up a lot of RF radio frequency interference. It was coming from microwaves, it was coming from cell phones, it was coming from Wi-Fi hotspots, it was everywhere, and people were saying this product is essentially unusable, do not buy this thing. Zoom then issued a recall notice and said, yeah, we've got a problem with a particular batch of microphones and we will replace them free. But since then, it's been very quiet. I haven't been able to find any reviews of the Zoom M2 mic track since that fix was deployed. So I have very carefully unboxed this Zoom M2 in case I need to return it. Obviously, it sounds wonderful, but if it doesn't work in practice very well because it's picking up so much interference, then what is the point? It is only $199 US, which is very low for what you get, and the construction reflects this. It feels very plasticky, very sort of rinky-dink, to be honest with you. It doesn't inspire a lot of confidence when you hold this thing in your hand for the first time. It did cause Bonnie and me to take a trip down memory lane, though, because when I said to Bonnie, have a feel of this and how plasticky and cheap it feels, she said it reminded her of her Barbie microphone that she had when she was a child. And I had the identical mic 
but mine was called an Andy Gibb microphone. And I was talking about this on Mastodon and somebody else said, oh, I had one like that. And it was called a Michael Jackson microphone. But the idea was that it was this mic that you would press a button and hold it down and you transmit by default on 800 kilohertz AM. I love this thing. And it does feel like that, like a child's toy. But the proof of the microphone is in the recording, as the old proverb goes, and so we will find out what it's like. And to help us do that, I'm joined in the studio by Richard Mosen. Welcome, Richard. Hello, hello. Your audio engineering background will mean you're a bit interested in this. Yeah, it does look interesting. What was your first impression when you held this mic? It it feels very light and quite, like, cheap, I guess. Yeah. Like a child's toy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, there's something to be said for making it light because it's meant to be very portable, but the materials just don't feel very premium at all. No, it doesn't inspire confidence. Mm. So that's the first impression. How do we orientate ourselves? I see, for example, that on the underside, as I believe it to be, there's quite a large screw. Yeah, um, that looks like it's some sort of locking screw, but... For the battery compartment, perhaps. Or, perhaps. Yeah. And then, so if we hold it that way, yes. so I'm just trying to think of how to explain this to somebody who might have this mic in the future. If you hold it so that the microphone part is facing you, because it comes with its windshield on, and you've got the screw facing downwards, hmm. then on the right-hand side, that's a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, I presume. Yeah, it's, it's labeled with a headphone symbol. And then those two will be the volume controls for the headphones? The, the first one says volume, yes. Yes, that makes sense. And then we have a USB port, I think. USB-C. Okay. So that's all on the right-hand side of the mic if the screw's facing downwards. Mm. And that's what's on the right-hand side of the mic. And then if you go to the top side of the mic, it's very busy. There's a little screen here. Yeah, that's right. Like an LCD screen. And then directly under the screen, there are three, four buttons, actually. Yes. So if we go from left to right, what do those buttons do? Um, I'll just take the mic from you. Yes. All right, then. And this seems like an opportune time for me to point out that when I started the orientation talking about the microphone pointing towards you, in fact, that's not the way that a sighted person would hold this mic. Therefore, it's probably not the right way to hold the mic. If you want the proper XY pattern in this mic to do what you expect it to do, the way to hold it is with the screen at the top. That way a sighted person can see the screen if they're using it and they're holding it the right way. So you do hold it with the screw facing downwards, as I said, but you hold it with the microphone pointing away from you and the little LCD at the top. So with that caveat, now that we've got the orientation right, Richard, let's go through that top line of buttons right to left. So the first one reads stereo slash mono. The next two are zoom in and zoom out, okay. which perhaps if the screen displays... A waveform? Yes. It would be that for that? And that actually will increase the volume. This is a 32-bit float recording microphone, but because there's no traditional concept of levels as such, I believe it's if you zoom in, it will get louder, but you can play with that and, and it will adjust the volume. But really, volume's not so important because you can adjust it in post-production. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, the final button in the top row says low cut. Okay, so that will introduce a low-cut filter. Yes. That sounds very good. And then what do we have underneath? So below that, we've got a cluster of five buttons. Um, you've got two small buttons to the far left, a large one in the middle, and then two small ones to the far right. 
And so on the left, the top one is stop, and below it is rewind. Stop is on the left, and rewind is below stop? Yes, that's correct. Okay. And then the large central button is just the record button. It's yeah. the largest button on the thing, because I guess it's what you want to find most of the time. Right. But And then on the right side, in the top right, you've got play, pause, and below that you've got fast forward. Okay. And... Uh, that's actually all of the buttons on top of the microphone. And keeping in mind that we're now holding this with the screen pointing away from us at the top, we go to the right-hand side, and there are more little buttons and things of importance there. What do we have? To the far right, you've got the micro SD card slot, which is a little cover for it so you don't accidentally pop it out. Mm. You can feel that little rough indentation there. And then there's a little button above that. You've got the menu button. I wonder how in-depth the menus are on this thing. Hopefully not too bad. I did read the manual, believe it or not, before buying it. And it seems like you could write down a cheat sheet. So we might actually go through the menu system a bit later and see what we need to change. One thing that we will, I think, want to change if it's not on by default is that you can make it play a beep when you press record. And I think that would be extremely helpful. Yeah, that sounds like it. And finally, uh, to the far right of the right side of the device, you've got a switch. So it's a hold lock. So if you slide the switch to the right, it will hold so none of the buttons will do anything, which can be useful for making sure you don't accidentally stop your recording or something like that. And then mm. if you slide it and I assume hold it to the far left, that's the power switch. Right. And just so we're clear, you've now got the right-hand side in front of you, like facing you. But if we're continuing our orientation as a blind person might, where the screen's at the top of the device, then the little slidey power switch, which is actually quite a common control on Zoom recorders. So if you're familiar with Zoom recorders, you'll know about this sort of control. It's at the very top right of the microphone as it's facing outwards from you with the screen at the top. And so you would power it on by sliding it downwards. You'd lock it in place by sliding it upwards. And you may also like to lock it in place if you're traveling with it so it doesn't inadvertently get powered on in your backpack or suitcase. And I have to say, these buttons are all pretty compact. If you have trouble feeling things, this is a very busy little environment. Yeah. Because they don't take up a lot of space. Uh, but it's good that that record button is a bit pronounced. Mm. So we need to put batteries in it, I guess. Yeah. And so how do we do that? I'll unscrew the screw that's on the bottom, which okay. is indeed for the battery compartment. All right, then. Well, um, I hope so. I hope we don't make it fall apart. It, 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 it's labelled as such. <laughs> oh, well. So. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a confusing mechanism. So you have to unscrew the screw and then go down to the very bottom of the microphone and just tug straight out on the base of the microphone, and you get the little battery receptacle. Okay, does it completely detach? It completely detaches. Right. So I'll, I'll load the batteries into it and then hand okay. it back to you. Okay. But and it takes AA batteries. Yeah, two AA's. Yes. So here's the two parts, Stan. At one end... It is rounded, and that's the base of the microphone, correct? Mm. Yeah, when the batteries are going in. And then the other end is not round at all. It's kind of more rectangular, and that's what goes into this slot. Oh, yeah, and, the, and it slides in all the way, and then it clicks back into place. When it does that, then obviously it's very easy to pull 
out. So this is where you press the screw in and tighten it up. You can do this with your fingers. You don't need a screwdriver or anything like that. Keep turning it clockwise until you feel tension and then it's rock solid. I'm going to go to the top right of the mic where the little power slider switch is and slide to power it on now that we have batteries in. If you use a nail, it's kind of spring-loaded and you can feel it powering on, but it's not very pronounced. Mm. So is it on now? Because I've probably it's now on. powered it on and off. And the first thing it will want is for someone to set the date on this thing. Yeah, so I'll take that. Okay. This is something that you might need help with Ira or a sighted person to do. Mm. So what it actually wanted first was your language. Okay. So it's English by default. And so the buttons... In the top row of the top of the device, the four of them, the second one is to go up on the list, and the third one is to go down. So it's the two middle buttons to navigate, okay. and then the far right one, the fourth button, that is select. So I'm going to select English, and now it wants the date. It defaults to 2022 January 1st. Okay. So, and it goes year, month, day. So you might be able to use that to work out how to put it in without that. But, yeah, it, it, it is fiddly. I'm having trouble actually getting it to work right. with the screen here. But okay. I've worked it out. It also wants the time. Okay. So I'll put that in to the best accuracy I can get. Hopefully it's like other Zoom recorders in that if you change batteries, it's not going to lose all this information. So now it wants to know the battery type. So your options are alkaline. Um, what is NIMH? Uh, ni nickel metal hydride. Yeah, and lithium are right. the three options. So are these alkaline batteries? These are rechargeables and they're nickel metal hydride. Okay, we can select that one. That's just for it giving you an accurate read on the battery That's right. level. So yeah. if you get that one wrong, I don't think it's that big a deal. Right. And now we appear to have a waveform in front of us. And so when you're talking, presumably you can see that waveform changing. Yes, yeah. you can. Um, we do need to insert our SD card. Oh, that's a very good point. As I say, if you check on the right-hand side of the mic, you will feel a rough indentation. You can, with a bit of trouble, get a fingernail in there. It's a little flap that then gets exposed. You can't lose the little bit that covers the micro SD slot because it dangles. It doesn't completely come off, so that's nice. And Richard, which way do we orientate the card? The right protect notch goes towards the bottom of the mic. Okay. So, and then once you get it lined up, which is a bit fiddly, it will just slide in and click in. And then I replace the cover. Presumably it has a spring-loaded type yes. thing it clicks in. Yeah. And did a message come up on the screen when you popped that card in? At the top of the waveform, it's got an indicator that says how long you've got left on your SD card to record. And uh, this is a 512 gigabyte SD card. Right. So it's actually maxed out at the maximum time. It says we've got 99 hours and 59 minutes and 59 seconds. Right. So <laughs> That'd be excellent. Yes. I guess we should now take a look at the menu system and find out what we can change. And we'll try and do this in a way that helps people potentially build a cheat sheet for the microphone. We press the menu button to get into it, which is just above the SD card slot, correct? 
Yes, you do. Yep. When you press the, the menu button, the first option in the menu is record settings. So to select that, you have to press the far right button of the four below the display, and that takes you into the record settings menu. The first option is sample rate. So if you select sample rate, you've got three options. You've got 44.1 kilohertz, 48 kilohertz, and 96 kilohertz. What does it default to? It defaults to 48. Okay, I think that's perfectly fine for spoken word. Yes. Yeah. So we can leave it at that. And then how do you back out of a menu option like that? So that will be the far left button is the back button. Okay, so enter effectively is the far right of those buttons and back is the far left. Yes, and then of the two middle ones of the four buttons, the left one is up and the right one is down. So we've gone back up to the record settings, and below that is pre-record. What that will do is, if you have this enabled, and it will use a little bit of battery, but it means if you're in a situation where you're waiting for something to start, say you're a reporter and you're waiting for a media conference to start, or you've got the rights to record a concert and you're waiting for it to start, it will pre-buffer a little bit of audio so that when you press record, it will keep that X number of seconds before you press record. I think a lot depends on the sample rate you've set in terms of how long that buffer can be. But what do we have when we go in there? So it defaults to off as the first option, but then below that we have got on bracket two seconds. And that is our only option for pre-record. Okay, so I think that might change depending on the record setting that we make, but that's fine. I I think I will leave that off because I think it will have an impact on battery life. Okay, so if we go back, the next option in the record settings menu is record start tone. Yay! Is it on by default or not? It is off by default. So as a blind person, you really want to come in and turn this on. Yes, so the first option is off, but the second option in the list is on. To do this, you would... Press the menu button, you're on record, so you press enter for record settings. Yes. And then you will press down twice to get to record, record start tone. Start tone. You press enter. Yes. You then go down to on. Yes. And press enter. Right? Yes. Okay. So I've turned that on. Right. So if we go back one, that is the final option in the record settings menu. Okay, so, so we'll, we'll go back one more time and we'll be at the top level. Yes. An important thing to note is that this remembers where you are in the menu. So if I go back into the record settings menu now from the main menu, it takes me down to record start tone instead of moving the cursor back up to sample rate. Oh, that's very useful to know. The next option in the main menu is USB. Right. Now, this will be important if, for example, you don't want to go through the fiddly process of taking the SD card out. And also, it can act as a USB microphone, so it can do double duty. And what's interesting about this is that not only can it be a USB mic plugged into your PC, Mac, iPhone or iPad, it can record at the same time as it's being a USB microphone. So this could be quite handy if you've got a really important recording to do and for some reason you want two copies of that recording. Mm. So the first option is USB mic with record. Okay. So if you go into that option, you have two options. You have PC slash Mac or mobile device. So the PC slash Mac will be the default. So you just press enter again if you wanted that one. Yes. Yeah. 
if you want to use your iPhone with this, and that will be quite interesting to try sometime, you would choose mobile device. But you would need some sort of cable like the camera adapter kit from Apple or something like that to cable it up to the lightning port. Mm. It, it would be a bit easier with an iPad because you could just get a USB-C to USB-C cable. Mm. Yep. If we go back from that menu, the second and final option in the USB menu is file transfer, which once again has the options for PC slash Mac or mobile device. Okay. So when you do that, it will pop up as a drive in your device and then you'll be able to browse to it and copy the files that you've recorded onto your PC for editing. Mm. So it's a really important one to remember. Continuing on, another thing about how these menus navigate is that they unfortunately loop, so you can't just press up a bunch of times to make sure you're on the first option in the list because it will just take you back down (laughs) to the bottom of the list. So if you get confused, I think the best thing to do is to switch it off and back on again. It's amazing how life itself can just be improved by switching things off and back on again. So the next option on... if We've navigated back to the top-level menu. The next option is SD card. We have... SD card format as the first option there. Would you like to do that? Because this is the newest. SD Yeah, card. we may as well format it and make sure it's completely happy. If you go into SD card format, you've got two options. You've got execute at the top and you've got cancel. <laughs> um, note that this one defaults to the second option in the list, cancel. Right. Just because, so, I mean, if you format your SD card, everything on it's going to get lost. So yes. they're being very careful about that. So we'll execute that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got a... Oh, it's done. So right. <laughs> it's a very quick format. Yeah. So back on the SD card menu, the next option is quick test, followed by full test. Would you like to do that? Should we, should we do a quick test and just make sure it's happy with the card it's got? Sure. That, that, yeah. So once again, it defaults to cancel instead of execute of the two options. Okay, so... It was a very quick test, and it passed. Hooray. So, Thank good, goodness. That's a relief. Yeah. Okay, so full test is, was the last option for SD card. Yeah. And then back in the main menu, the next option is system. So if we select that, the first option in the system menu is language. So we've got English, French, Dutch, Italian, Espanol, I admit I, I can't recognize the sort of Asian characters, so right, I'm not fine. sure if these are Japanese or Chinese or something like that, but right. the, there's two options of that at the bottom. Okay. And then it loops back around. Very good. So back in the system menu, the next option is date and time. This was quite fiddly to set up the first time. The options are set date slash time and date format. By default, it defaults to year, year, month, month, day, day. What was for Lee about setting it up? So if you go into the set date slash time format menu, it defaults to year. So you have to press enter to navigate up and down the available years. It defaults to 2022. So then you press, once you've found the one you like, you press enter again, Hmm. and then you have to press down to go to month. I see. And it takes a lot of navigating the menu and it's visually it's formatted differently to the rest of the menus. It's not intuitive because of course you've only got the two buttons to navigate the whole thing. Right. Navigating back up to the system menu, the next option is 
autoplay volume. You've only got two options in autoplay volume. The first one is off, but we can turn it on. I think this could be the auto normalization function, and I'm happy to turn that off or leave it off because we can make all those changes in post. Okay. Um, below that, we have got display. And so within the display menu, you've got the options for backlight and contrast. Okay. Looking in backlight, you've got off, on, and auto off. And it defaults to auto off. So if I don't touch any buttons on the microphone for a few seconds, it will automatically turn off the screen. Right. Which is good for battery. Navigating back up to contrast, it defaults to 5 out of 10. So you can press up and down to adjust the contrast. 1, which is the lowest option, I think is still readable, but it probably would not be on a bright day. Right. Okay. So, um, I think five is fine, the mm -hmm. default, so mm -hmm. I'd probably just not touch that. Right, good advice. So navigating back up to the system menu, below display is power, so where you can change the battery type, which mm -hmm. we set up at the beginning. The first option is alkaline and then nickel, metal, hybrid, and lithium. And then below that, we have auto power off. The default option for that is the highest, which is 10 hours. Once again, it starts at the last option on the list, which is different to some of the other menus. Mm. But if you navigate up from there, the next option is 60 minutes, and then above that, 10 minutes, and above that, off. So, oh, so you can turn it completely off. Yeah, you, you can have it that it will never power off. I think that I would prefer that because it's just going to be a frustration if that's what's happened uh, although you know if it if you haven't touched it for 10 hours i completely understand that yes <laughs> 10 hours is quite a long yeah time. it is yeah okay we'll turn it off right back in the system menu the next option below power is firmware so we go into that and it's uh it's just information you can't adjust anything in here we are on system 1.10 boot 1.0 and uh check some E542. We should actually just check when we've uh, got a pause to make sure that we are running the latest firmware because that could be significant with some of the issues they've had. Yes. And then the final option for the system menu is factory reset. Oh boy. So I guess if you've messed around in the menus too much, it's not working properly anymore, you can find your way here and start over. And uh, that is the last option in the menu. What I'd like to do now is set up a cable going from the headphone jack of the microphone into the mixer here so you can hear what would be coming through the headphones in normal circumstances. Now what you're hearing is the Zoom M2 mic jack. I'm some distance from it though, so should I grab it? There we go. Okay, so Peter Piper picked a pick a p Yeah, so I think you'd want a a better windscreen. Um, we've got the XY formation, so you can hear me moving around the stereo spectrum. And uh, it sounds quite nice, Richard. It may seem cheap to the touch, um, but let's just let's just do handling noise. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, I have to deliberately, if I just move it about gently in my hand, like I might be just changing positions here yeah, there's a bit of handling noise the other thing we can do is put this in mono because currently it's in stereo mode which you probably wouldn't do for a lot of spoken word mm. so the stereo mono button you go down below the display and then there are those four buttons that we've talked extensively about yes. is the stereo mono button 
the next row? So it's above the row you're touching there. So if you if you move your finger up, yeah, yeah that row there. I'll push the stereo mono button. Um, so now I have. I oh, know I haven't. Was it? Is that the stereo mono button? That is. So okay. Um, I'm still when I press it. I'm still hearing stereo no matter what I do. Um, so I wonder why. T- pressing it twice quickly. Okay. Um, no, yes. Why pressing? Why does pressing it twice quickly work? So when you press the button, it brings momentarily a menu up on the screen showing both stereo and mono. And so the first press opens the menu, and the following presses toggle the two options. And then after a second or two, the menu goes away again. Okay. So you've got to press it twice to toggle between stereo and mono. So now that I am recording in mono, it actually really does sound quite nice. I'm just going to get reasonably close so we might get a bit of proximity effect. And I'm talking just slightly to the side so I'm not breathing directly into the mic. And this sounds pretty good. I mean, it's um, it, it's a very nice mic. I can see if I were using this as a USB mic and I'm on the go somewhere, it would be very nice. Um, but now if I talk right into it, you can definitely hear some proximity effect. And so you can get a better windshield, of course, for it as well. And then if I double tap that stereo mono button and now we are, yeah, now we are back in stereo. Now, what's interesting, though, is you you wouldn't want to do this when you were actually recording. So some of the more expensive mics that seek to fill the space are very careful about the fact that when you press the buttons, you don't hear anything. It would be impossible for you to miss the fact that you're pressing buttons on this thing so now we're in stereo and now we're in mono now i'm going to make a recording with this mic and so the way that you orientate it for sighted people means that the record button is what well, sort of it's dead center really on the top of the mic and also it, it has a kind of a dot on it actually it's not a very pronounced dot but it, it's it's almost like a little recession in it, actually, more than a dot. And it's slightly recessed, I think. Slightly recessed. So it's definitely tactually distinctive. And if we've got this set up correctly, when I press record, it should make a beep that we'll hear because we're monitoring through the headphone jack at the moment. So let's see what we get. Oh, that is certainly a very loud beep. And <laughs> you couldn't possibly miss that. Anyone would think I'd said soup or something. And welcome. We are now recording. And I'm just moving around. I'm going to go by the computer. Because you'd think, you know, with the computer recording at the moment, if it's going to pick up RF, it might get a lot from the computer. I am not getting any RF, I'm delighted to say. Um, What else might produce RF in here? I mean, we'll take it out shortly. Um, Maybe the the router? Um, Yeah, where is the router? Good question. Uh, I think it's over here. Uh, oh no no no! It's on the on the top over there, the oh, unify no. the little round funny chubby thing. Right, I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just by the router there. Yeah, Did you and, get and anything? It, and it picked up the fan noise of the router because it's got a little fan in it, but it didn't pick up any RF. So this is very encouraging so far. It does seem like Zoom is telling the truth when they say that the RF thing has it. Now there is a really um, there is another important thing that I believe this does, and that is that if you press record, can can 
can you see the screen if I hold it this way or should I hold it uh, hold it this way right and then you I see can the screen see it, yeah so what do you see on the screen at the moment I see a waveform yep okay and that's all so it doesn't have time elapsed or anything oh it does it does uh, a minute 30 so far okay so if I press the record button I believe it will insert a marker in the file Yes, it said Mark 1 on the screen for a moment, and okay. now it's continued going. So that is fantastic, because and actually because the record button isn't quite as plonky when you press it, it's not making that much noise. Where this is useful is if you're recording an interview with someone, and you're under some pressure, and you know that you're not going to have the luxury of editing the whole thing. But if there's a real fluff that you need to go back to and fix, or perhaps there's something you might be recording for a news broadcaster and somebody said something particularly notable and you want to get right back to it. You can put the marker in the file and then your digital audio workstation like Reaper or Audacity or whatever you're using can navigate straight to that point in the file. So that is a really nice feature and I actually wish some of the other Zoom recorders would do this. Um, how do I stop it? Stop! Um, so I assume it's the stop button which... which yep. um, Next to the record button, um, it's what, what I'd say to the left of it okay. at the top. So is the microphone's facing away from you and the screen is orientated right, it's mm. on the left of record. Yes. Okie doke. We will press this now. So what I'd like to do now is see if I can get that recording off the device. <laughs> and to do that probably the most easily... I will plug in a USB-C cable to the microphone, and we're still talking through the microphone, even though we're not recording, we're monitoring from the headphone jack. And I'm just groping for the, there we go, there's the USB-C port. So I will plug that in. Now I hear RF, oh my word. Okay. Now I really hear it. Um, it's gone into the USB menu. Okay. So we've got two options. We've got USB mic with recording or file transfer. Okay. And to go to file transfer, I press the right one? Um, the second oh, no, right. center. So then that's file transfer? That is. And so now it wants you to choose PC, Mac or mobile device. Okay. And what happened then was that obviously the mic functionality switched off when I connected it. When I did the copy, just listening through the headphone jack of the file, it was pretty easy to find it on my PC under this PC. You can create a shortcut to that if you want to. And I copied it across to a Reaper folder. The noise was just insane, but I guess that doesn't matter too much because it's not trying to be a mic. We'll come back and see what happens if we try and use this as a USB mic in a little bit. But what I'd like to do at the risk of redundancy is just play that recording back, normalized to minus 23 LUFs. Are you supposed to say LUFs or LUFS? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so we'll play the recording back. This is actually what the recorder got, what the Zoom M2 mic track recorded. Oh, that is certainly a very loud beep, <laughs> and you couldn't possibly miss that. Anyone would think I'd said soup or something. And welcome, we are now recording, and I'm just moving around. I'm going to go by the computer, because you'd think, yeah, with the computer recording at the moment, 
If it's going to pick up RF, it might get a lot from the computer. I am not getting any RF, I'm delighted to say. Um, what else might produce RF in here? I mean, we'll take it out shortly. Um, maybe the the router? Um, yeah, where is the router? The Good question. Uh, I think it's over here. Uh, oh, no, no, no. It's on the on the top over there. The oh, Unify, no. the little round, funny, chubby thing. Right, I see it. Yeah, yeah. So it was just by the router there? Did yeah, you and, get and anything? It, and it picked up the fan noise of the router because it's got a little fan in it, but it didn't pick up any RF. So this is very encouraging so far. It does seem like Zoom is telling the truth when they say that the RF thing has it. Now, there is a really, um, there is another important thing that I believe this does, and that is that if you press record, can can you? Can you see the screen if I hold it this way, or should I hold it uh, hold it this way, right? And then you I see can the screen. See it, yes. So, what do you see on the screen at the moment? I see a waveform. Yep. Okay, and that's all. So it doesn't have time elapsed or anything. Oh, it does. It does. Uh, a minute thirty so far. Okay. So if I press the record button, I believe it will insert a marker in the file. Yes, it said Mark 1 on the screen for a moment, and okay. now it's continued going. So that is fantastic, because, and actually because the record button isn't quite as plonky when you press it, it's not making that much noise. Where this is useful is if you're recording an interview with someone, and you're under some pressure, and you know that you're not going to have the luxury of editing the whole thing, but if there's a real fluff that you need to go back to and fix, or perhaps there's something... You might be recording for a news broadcaster and somebody said something particularly notable and you want to get right back to it. You can put the marker in the file and then your digital audio workstation like Reaper or Audacity or whatever you're using can navigate straight to that point in the file. So that is a really nice feature and I actually wish some of the other Zoom recorders would do this. Um, how do I stop it? Stop! Um, so I assume it's the stop button which... which yep. um, Next to the record button, um, it's what, what I'd say to the left of it okay. at the top. So is the microphone's facing away from you and the screen is orientated right? It's mm. on the left of record? Yes. Okie doke. We will press this now. Now I am recording with the USB mic function into Reaper using the standard Windows audio drivers. I have not been able to get this to work with ACO yet and that could be just a configuration thing that I need to get sorted but I am recording uh, now into Reaper with the mic in USB mode I gotta tell you through the headphones I am getting very bad RF and uh, I'm just moving around trying to get away from it it is pretty noisy and quite unpleasant to listen to a whining kind of sound but I don't know whether that is going to be picked up in what you hear so we will just find out when I stop this recording as you hear the recording was very clean in fact so it does work as a USB microphone but there's one big caveat that I have found and I haven't found a workaround for this and that is that unlike many USB mics, even some very cheap USB mics, there's no direct audio monitoring. So when you connect to USB, 
you stop hearing any audio from the microphone in your headphone jack. You can use it to monitor your PC to play things through. And in fact, it's very good latency. It doesn't have a lot of the problems that some Windows audio devices do where speech and things like that cut off after a short period of inactivity. So it's actually a nice way to play back audio. You just can't hear yourself. If you want to hear yourself, you have to be using a recorder that allows you to play your audio back. And there's just a bit of latency when you do that. It also means that you can't use it very well for certain functions. For example, I was looking forward to doing double duty with this microphone and when I needed to, when I was away, using it with Station Playlist Remote VT. But because you can't do zero latency monitoring when it's connected in Windows, that's not going to be possible because I want to be able to hear myself. So this is not the primary reason why I bought it. I'm not overly disappointed. I've got other USB microphones and other mics I can connect to my Focusrite Vocaster, which I often do travel with. But it seems like a glaring omission, and maybe it's something that could be fixed in software. When I tried this outside the studio with my ThinkPad, I got no RF at all. It was as clean as a whistle to listen through. So all the gear in here, it could be the mixer, it could be anything, might be a bit of an anomaly. It was just fine in terms of lack of RF when using my laptop. When I was fooling around with this, I was reconnecting the USB cable a few times and I found that I wasn't always getting the expected behavior. I have no idea, of course, what was coming up on the screen. And these are the compromises that we make with a device like this. The fact that we've spent so much time helping to put a cheat sheet together indicates the challenges that you have to write these things down or memorize the things that you're going to do. But then when something pops up on the display that you're not expecting, you don't necessarily know what it is. So if you run into that issue where you connect a USB cable and you choose the option and nothing happens, what I have found is it's actually way more reliable to choose the type of USB connection you want to make first before you plug a USB cable in. For me, that works every time. If I power the unit on and then I press the menu key and then I go right to USB and then I choose the type of USB device I want to connect, it always works. Sometimes it seems like that little menu that we saw before pops up where you can choose your USB device when a cable is connected. At other times, it just doesn't seem to pop up. So I'd far prefer to get familiar with the thing that works almost every time. What I'm going to do now, though, is get out of the studio with this thing. This is why I bought this mic, to have something that's so easily portable, that does a good job of recording, that I can just wander around with and get a good recording anywhere. So let's see what happens when we just take it around the house. We're now doing an ultimate test, which is that we're out of the studio environment, and I'm walking around deliberately. I'm going to go up to the Sonos here. And uh, where is the so There it is. We're going to go right up to the Sonos speaker. And it's right against it now, and there's no RF that I can hear. We've got the XY pattern working now. I'm just wandering around the house with this mic. And Richard was observing at lunch that it doesn't feel quite so rinky-dink when you've got batteries in it, because it just adds a little bit of weight, and that is true. I should also add that we have updated the firmware of the mic when we did a check. 1.2 was available and the way that pro and I'm just walking around here by the way and I've got the XY pattern going so you can get a kind of an acoustic sample of where we're going the way this works is that you download a zip file from Zoom's website you extract that zip file and there's a file with a dot bin extension you copy that onto your SD card 
and you can do that by taking the SD card out and using a card reader or putting the mic track into SD card reader mode and then you have to go in there's the fridge we'll go into the fridge yeah I mean it's picking up fridge noise but not RF noise so it definitely seems to be sorted you go into the system settings and when you do the firmware you'll have an update option you may need to connect it to a power source and if you do that the USB port when it's got the appropriate cable and power source at the other end it will power itself from USB and that also means that you can use a battery pack if you want to welcome buddy Hello. This is the Zoom M2 Pod Track. Hello. No, mic track. Mic track. Mic track. I'm just heading towards you here. Oh, I'm actually in the chair. Oh, are you? Yeah, I'm right here. There Hello. we go. Yeah. Here, here's the mic. Ooh. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. Very cool. Yeah. It it does make a bit of handling noise, but it's um, it's quite nice. So definitely, if you want the X Y effect, make sure that dis the display is at the top of the mic as you hold it and then you've got the whole xy thing so i'm looking around and you can hear that maybe we'll just do one final thing and we'll try and go out should we go out on the balcony richard yeah sure okay i've got a it's, it's funny because i've got my microphones off in my hearing aid so i'm monitoring exclusively through the mic and it means my orientation oh okay so here's the m what do they call these the r3 era 300 sonos era 300 and the mic is right up close to the era 300 and it's a big magnet that speaker a big magnet so um it does seem to have sorted out its rf problems a few things around mm. all right yeah, yeah there we go anyway. all right open it up all right we're on the balcony now it's a moderately windy day and we're getting a little bit of wind noise, but nothing major. What do you think of the windscreen on this, Richard? Do you think we'd be better served by a better windscreen? Yeah, it, it looks pretty, like, bare bones, the windscreen. Um, a lot of mics will have, like, a built-in one, and then you'll put in another one over the top. But with this one, the one you've got over the top is the only thing. If you take that off, you can. it's just got a frame covering the capsules themselves, like, no built-in windscreen below that how would you describe the windscreen because it's quite cheap feeling to me it, what, what's it made of um it, it's nylon maybe it, yeah. it, it, it's like if you put like a, a just a, a cheap sock over yeah. it <laughs> um like not not a thick woolly sock just like a <laughs> plain one <laughs> yeah so it's doing a nice job recording out here on the balcony and we're picking up a bit of the noise of what's we're in a pretty quiet suburb we actually overlook a reserve so it's quite quiet out here i'll stop that recording with a final observation which is that i detect just a tiny bit of dc offset in that recording which for a microphone like this from a company like zoom is just a little bit of a concern but i guess not a showstopper that's the zoom mic track m2 for me it is a keeper We've gone through lots of settings and that may make it seem a bit more daunting than it will be in real life because when it's set up the way you like, you just switch it on, press the record button, you hear the beep and you're recording. 
and or with something that if you have a garment that has a top pocket, for example, you could easily just carry it around in your top pocket and record. It's a versatile little device, and the fact that it's 32-bit float is a wonderful bit of icing on the cake. I found mine on Amazon US at 199 US dollars. It does seem to be pretty hard to come by in some markets, but Amazon supplied it to me very quickly. I ordered it on a Sunday, got it on a Friday all the way here in New Zealand. I hope you found this helpful. And if you buy one, I'll be interested to know what you think. Don't forget you can subscribe to the Blind Podmaker list where we discuss all sorts of gadgets and techniques around podcasting. You can send a blank email to creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker.com. That's creators-subscribe at theblindpodmaker.com.